0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, So if you're new here for the first time, hello and welcome. I spent kind of the first five to ten minutes of the show musing about random life-related stuff, media-related stuff. Um, Then we get into five books that I have read this week. Every week we bring you five fresh reads. Also, I've had a tendency, I've noticed, um, so at the time of recording, this is, I believe, the sixth episode. And this is my first time podcasting. Longtime listener, first-time recorder. Um... And besides knowing that I say I'm um a lot, besides some sort of, you know, awkward mic sound issues from the first few episodes, I also kind of noticed that I refer to myself as we and sort of the royal we. Uh, maybe that's just sort of a thing I've picked up on from other podcasters and YouTubers. Um, rest be assured, it's just me. I mean, there's also the pirate cat, but really we is like me and you, but just usually me. So I just wanted to clear that up. Um... Also, I love wearing dresses, kind of my favorite clothing item. It's weird to even just like be wearing clothing that's not full-on pajamas and loungewear since we're, you know, still in quarantine. Um, but I I wised up. I wore shorts this time because I also have AGD and fidgety. I can't just sit still here, excuse me, all properly. Um, so I'm wearing shorts because, you know, you can't you can't see anything. We don't have to have any awkward, you know, did she flash me? Did she not? I am always wearing underwear. Um, but you know, it's different, different vibe if that's what you're looking for. Not, not here to, we're here to talk about books. We got pirate cats, um, back to shorts also just like I, you know, we talked a little bit about body confidence in the last episode. I definitely, as you know, a girl with thicker thighs, have always had issues with wearing shorts, namely like the chafing issue, the like too short issue as I am taller and have a bigger butt. Um, And then even though they've been around since like the 80s biker shorts have really just decided to make their make their moves this Summer and I am here for it. Usually they are longer than the traditional denim short, which I'm all about. They are Fitted so ironically, you know, they're tighter than a lot of other shorts And so you'd be like that's counterintuitive, but it's actually since they're tight They don't like have any room to move up and chafe and be weird And they come in a bunch of fun patterns they're also super cheap like denim shorts (laughs) this is a fashion podcast now um denim shorts can be really expensive for like literally a cut off pair of jeans i mean jeans i kind of get why they're expensive it's like you're getting a full pant um like your shorts are cheap they're fun they're fashionable i thought also like when they were first coming into trend that like as a thicker thigh girl that they wouldn't be my jam and that i wouldn't be into them no no I, I freaking love them. I'm into them. I wear them all the time. They're comfortable. You can also like wear them to lounge and chill and working out, um, which is something I've been doing more recently. Normally, it's like who cares, but the fact that I can use it for both is it's a pretty freaking, pretty freaking cool. Um, so before we get into this week's books, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some authors. Actually, this week, Rand. I've had the chance to speak with quite a few authors um, of note. The first one, um, I mentioned last week that I'm taking a nonfiction writing class through Catapults with Rachel Verona Cote. I um, actually got to meet her and hear her introduce herself um, and learn more about her. And so I spoke about her book, Too Much, um, How Victorian Women Constraints Still Bind Us Today, something some, some, called something like that. Um, and her last name is pronounced Cote. Um, I started the first of six weeks of a nonfiction writing for Diverse Voices online seminar. I finished my research by re-watching the show Daisy of Love, which is what I'm going to be musing about and talking about sort of my personal reaction to it and my past or lack of the past with reality TV and, you know, exploring how this show is very absurd and literally the most fake yet the most sincere. And there's probably some sort of like German word that is an am- amalgam of both of those. Um, so I finished that. I sort of started writing it, but I'm just excited to like get back into writing and Sort, sort of academia I mean it's kind of structured like how I imagine a grad school class would be um but it's really I just feel like inspired I feel good there's 11 other women in the class who all come from very diverse backgrounds and ages and occupations. so it's really and we all get to interact with each other um so it's nice to just be able to socialize a little bit with like-minded people and it's also like unlike college it's like we actually want to be here you know we paid for the class we're committing our time to it So it's like knowing that the people are fully invested in it makes it more worthwhile. Um, So I got to talk to her a little bit and we'll continue to update you guys on the class and everything. Um, The next author that I got to interact with was Ilana Massad, um, whose debut novel, All My Mother's Lovers, I believe I talked about in a previous episode. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to get her for a book club that I run through my work. Um, I'm a nonprofit's events manager, and every month I host a book club with women, which just happens to be women, um, with members of the temple that I work for, and Alana joined us because we talked about her book, and I got to lead a discussion, just learn a lot about her, like, how she wrote this book, what led her to it, um... I won't get into it because I already discussed it, but it's about a girl whose mother or young woman whose mother passes away and leaves a wake of lovers and letters to those lovers. And so her daughter, um, goes on this road trip to deliver those letters and to kind of learn more about her mother's past. It's beautifully written. It's, there's complex characters, um, characters. She was a she was just very eloquent. She was very well spoken. I learned a lot about her background and the debut writing process. And I'm definitely, you know, more of a reader than a writer. Writing has always been a fun hobby of mine, but reading is more where my heart lies, definitely where I feel like more comfortable from that side versus being the writer side. Um she just was very, like I said, personable. She was eloquent, she was well spoken, she was really cool, like the kind of person that I would want to be friends with. Um so that was that. And then the last one is Lindsay Ellis, who is a known, best, most known probably for her like YouTube essays that go into like, you know, why is Titanic bad and the death of the author. And she's wonderful and prolific and very cool, and also like another, I want to be friends with you, aspire to be you. She just released her first novel as well um it is a sci-fi novel called Axiom's End i haven't read it yet because <clears throat> so she's doing a virtual book tour we my boyfriend and i we paid to support a local actually a local uh bookstore in Cambridge Porter Square Books um that's near where we're both from and this event was put on digitally and Lindsay was in conversation with author and friend and local mortician owner and local actually Los Angeles um Caitlin Doty and talking about her book. So we're like, we haven't read it yet. It's in the mail. That is one that I am going to be getting the physical copy of. And the one um <clears throat> so I might be able to do some reading for that. It's also signed, which is very cool. I'm excited. I don't read a ton of sci-fi. Um, so I'm excited to delve into that genre, um, especially from someone who I already admire, and you know, it's always great to support debut emerging authors, um, especially when you know them from somewhere else, um, and to help them sort of just expand their craft. And I'm excited to read that, so that'll probably be featured on an upcoming episode. Um, so, without further ado, we're going to take it away with this week's five books. Um, so, if you've been paying attention, if you've been listening, you might notice that the majority of authors that I tend to feature are female, and. Like I said, I don't think that's really a conscious thing. I think that just maybe I happen to gravitate towards women authors more. Um, A lot of the books, the order of the books that I read is sort of just determined by library, Kindle, roulette, and what's available. So that has a big piece to do with it. Um, But today's episode, we have four of the five authors, by no chance other than they were what became available at the library, are male. Um, So the first one that we are going to get into is a book of poetry uh, called Cult of Two by Michael Faudet. Michael Faudat is probably one of my favorite contemporary poets, if not poets of all time. He is sort of in that trend of the like rupee Carr like Instagrammable poems and that the majority of his poems and words are really just a few lines or a few sentences, but this is his fourth collection, I believe, Um, and it came out in 2019. So it came out last year. I don't know how I missed it because I've read his other three works of poetry. I, I always like to have the physical copy Uh, with me because, um, I dog ear about 10 to 15 of the poems and love to revisit them. I've read his other three pieces of work. They're equally as beautiful. Um, his partner Lang leave also is a poet. She um, has written some young adult novels. They just seem like a really cool dream couple. Um, so I'm just going to read a few of the very short poems. This is definitely, um, poetry is reading too so if you're someone who is intimidated by a novel if you're somebody who you know would prefer less than more but still really feel like they're getting something you know they're getting something out of their book and they leave a changed person and there is still um michael definitely likes to write sort of like recurring characters and recurring themes so the the poems have some sort of uh glue holding them together it's not just like here's a bunch of things i wrote but they all sort of sent you know they center around love and darkness um, and the depth of falling in love so I'll, i'll give you a few examples um so here's here's a little one called in love with words i'm not just in love with words i'm possessed by them my life consumed by the 26 letters of the alphabet and all the countless possibilities they bring to a page how beautiful this world of dust and cobwebs, where the pen is mightier than the vacuum cleaner. Okay, so this one. Let's see. You know, I have so many. They're all like some of them are so short that it's like how you just wrote like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, twelve words and freaking beautiful. Uh, when will I see you again? So many promises wrapped up in excuses. Always tomorrow, but never today. That's very, very relatable. Um, And okay, we'll we'll read one more. Um, This one's called The Past. The past is the past. You can't change it, but you can cherish it, celebrate it, laugh about it, learn from it, and take the happy memories with you. What really matters is today, the new page that's waiting to be written, knowing you have your whole life ahead of you and the best is yet to come. So if you liked any of those poems, definitely check out Michael Faudet. Um, His other books, Dirty Pretty Things, um, is the only one that comes from, uh, yeah, Dirt, Dirty Pretty Things is his other, you know, best-selling collection, but they're all worth... Uh, Checking out they are also nice to just have and revisit if it's you know You are more of a novel reader, but you want to change it up and add some poetry You could do a little you know, like let me read a poem a day or let me read a couple poems every day I mean, I think it's over 200 pages, but it's it's so You can just see a little short those poems each of those poems I read you takes up one page Some are longer But that's that's the gist of it Um, So next we have Antkind by Charlie Kaufman Um, this is one of those that I It was touted as you know being a huge summer blockbuster in the novel form had a hold on it on the library for quite some time and forgot about it until it came out this week and then i read it um charlie kaufman is a screenwriter he is known for eternal sunshine of the spotless mind one of my favorite movies of all times amazing um he's known for being john malkovich which i actually just watched for the first time a couple months ago and is another he's very surreal he's very meta he's very weird but indie and he so this is his first foray into novel writing it's sort of a take on the great american opus for 2020 um i've seen it kind of compared to like john Updike novels we lost the audio for a second i don't know where i stopped recording i'm just gonna throw it in right here um blah blah blah, blah. kind yes Charlie Kaufman so it's about yeah it's about 750 720 pages uh, so it's very long but it It flows. You never feel bored, even though you're pretty much trapped inside the main character's um, B. Rosenberg or Rosenberg's mind. Um, So what's it about? It's about B. Rosenberg Rosenberg, who's sort of an insufferable film critic trying to find his raison d'etre. And he goes on a research project. He is in Florida and meets a very strange man across the hall. Um, This man's life purpose has been filming a movie basically since he was like in his early 20s and so the the film the movie um is three months long which is absurd and so this becomes bees he, he is infatuated by it he's like this is my reason for living and this will be sort of my life's work to analyze this and show it to the world um long story short the film gets destroyed And that's revealed pretty early on. And then the rest of the novel is B's journey through trying to re-remember this film, trying to recreate this film. Um, That was like the only physical copy of it and what this film means to him. um, It tackles larger Hollywood studio issues. It definitely tackles um, the issue of the screenwriter and the writer in relation to their own art. Um, the interpretation of art amongst others um a lot of like existential nihilism philosophy without but written for the 2020 everyday man um you know it it is reminiscent of his films but I've often want you know I guess screenwriters whenever they write books they know what they're doing I it's probably a lot harder to go from a book to a screenwriter but screenwriting is definitely at least the the brief ones that I've written, you know, a few classes I've taken, it's definitely an act in restraint. You know, there's only so much you can say on the page. Um, less is more, whereas, you know, a book, especially Kind, is a huge stream of consciousness and it's definitely Kaufman's style, but I think he enjoys and you can see it just being able to explore this stream of consciousness and individual mind in a way on the page that you can't necessarily get on the screen so that is definitely a fun one a longer one that's still fast-paced um if you like any of charlie Kaufman's movies if you like weird satire explorative that's not a word exploratory stuff um check out this one it's is good and next we have blacktop wasteland by s.a cosby so i think this has kind of been described as like Oceans 11 meets Hell or High Water. And I haven't seen Hell or High Water, but it is a heist novel um, with that southern element brought to it. Um, the main character is Beauregard Bug Montage, which is an incredible name Beauregard Montage. Like you can, the, he's a very three dimensional, you can just picture him in your mind. Um, the book almost reads like a Coen Brothers. Novel. Um, it's very noir. It's very robbery. It starts there's a robbery. Bo gets himself into a rough situation, and that robbery reverberates throughout the entire novel. Leads to other situations. I mean, I'm it's a heist novel, but I'm not going to get too much into it. It's a heist novel that uses that plot device to really explore its characters, explore its world, and what pushes one man to or to not be involved in a heist. Um, Again, the I can see it being easily made into a film or a movie, and I think it definitely has that potential. But something, as, um, this is S.A. Cosby's first novel, too, so very impressive in just the way that he is able to so vividly create a world, uh, you know, a southern heist archetype, I believe, has been done. You know, it's been done a lot of times, and to breathe new life into it um, is really poetic um it's it's not a poetry novel by any means um but it's 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 kind of it's got some tinges of like baby driver to it um also with just that sort of like heist heightened chase aspect to it and it's it you can easily see the elements of that brought to the page and it's it moves like a film but it reads like a book and you get the best elements of both which is truly um one of the marks of a good writer um especially in this day and age you know when everyone you know sometimes you're not so much into ant kind 800 700 page stream of consciousness you just want something a little tighter you want something with a little more defined of a narrative arc um but you still want something literary not just like a john grisham you know no shade but like something like that um it's a little it's a little more unique so blacktop wasteland is that that's one for you all you little crime lovers and literary explorers um next we have the hotel never sink by adam O'Fallon price first of all multi multi multi-perspective novel there's at least like five or six maybe even you know seven or eight different perspectives i always feel like the more perspectives the better as long as they serve a purpose because sometimes the multi-perspective trope can be very gratuitous and like look at me i'm just showing everybody's point of view to show it um TV can do that a lot too, but this, the Hotel Never Sink, um, follows the titular hotel from its inception in the late 1800s with the Sikorsky family all the way through pretty much present day um and the different people who have stayed there as well as the family that's owned it their different relationships um the novel moves forward in time from that beginning um dealing with different people and it kind of like popcorns around those different people so say we end one chapter um a maid walks into the room the next chapter is going to be from that maid's point of view and we just it paints a very um there is, like, a mystery and a child abduction that happens at the beginning of the novel, and so it could have easily taken that more noir thriller aspect, but instead it just uses that as a backdrop for, like, all the weird, mysterious stuff that's happening. But the true, weird, mysterious stuff is really the people involved with it and their own personal connections, as well as, like, their their outside world that still brings them back to this hotel in some aspect or another. Um, It was very, you know, there's... Westing game aspects to it. I always think it's great when there is a mystery element that is used as the device to propel things forward, but the book, it's not about solving the mystery. Like we do at the end get some sort of revolution, uh, resolution. It's almost like a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina where we're like, okay, it ra- everything wraps up and kind of comes full circle, but it makes sense in a good kind of context. It's not just like, oh, it was this random person all along. Like there is reasoning behind it, there's purpose. It causes you to re examine everything that you previously looked at, um, it is, it just, it's, it really, it, it reads like you are truly in that hotel. I think the cha- the choice to set it over 100, 150 years, um, was smart because you get to see also how this hotel is a character in itself and how it changes yet stays the same for all of these people involved. Um, so that is definitely a... Sort of like a Westing game for adults, got a little bit of series of unfortunate events elements to it. A little bit of, um, what was that movie? That movie that came out where everyone was like at a, the John Ham and it was like Chris Hemsworth. Let's see, John Ham, Chris Hemsworth. Um, I'm, I'm sure this is really fun for you guys. Sorry, at least you know, I'm, I'm learning, I'm having my books up ahead of time and sometimes there's no script i'm just talking i'm like oh let's talk about that excuse me um bad times at the el royale sort of yes like a different cast of characters that all come together in this setting and the setting impacts them in different ways and through their coming together they their lives change and blah 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 Um, And lastly, we have Probably the the lightest, most beach Reedy of all of these because it is still Summer and people are still going to the beach Um, Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan Um, Friends and Strangers deals with two Our two main protagonist women Um, One is Elizabeth, she is a new mom in her late 30s, um, and she hires a nanny, Sam, who is a local college student, to watch her son. And the women are both dealing with their own relationship issues. Elizabeth has been married a while. Her husband's working on an invention and quit his job. Um, she has some secrets about money. Um, Sam is recently in a relationship with a older British man, and um, also she's a senior in college, so kind of just trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to do after I graduate? And is my identity tied to this person or is it tied, you know, so their relationship forms, but it's, it's very weird um, in a good way. And the author recognizes that and the characters recognize that too, because there is something very strange about like, you're paying this person, but you're inviting them into their home, into your home and you're letting them watch and bond with your most precious possession, your child um and elizabeth is very lonely sam is also lonely in her own way um the author really explores the different facets of what it means to be a woman in such a different place and time both of the characters are very they're well developed they come alive off the page they're definitely their relationship just seems very organic it seems very real there's definitely you know some absurdity but nothing that isn't too out of the realm for just everyday life um And it's a very, you know, we've all, I think, you know, had friendships that have been weird and felt so right but felt so wrong for one reason or another, whether it was age or circumstance or, you know you knew it was important and pivotal pivotal for that specific time in your life, but you also knew that there was an expiration date to it. Um, so what happens when you throw all that together and these two women and how are their lives changed forever? Well, Jay Courtney Sullivan explores it. And at the end, um, sometimes I hate, spoil, you know, flash, the epilogue flashes forward to, you know, five or 10 years after the book, Kind of leaves off and we get to see how they've evolved and how they come together at the end and it's really a very satisfactory conclusion that you don't always get and sometimes i'm like just leave it there like let's leave it up for interpretation and the readers can figure out what they want but even though there is sort of that to this it's also like okay this i get it enough of a conclusion and i can picture where they're left at and i'm very satisfied and that's hard to find in a book um, so there you have it. Five more books for this week. I hope I didn't say um as much, and if I did, please forgive me. Um, hopefully no, you know, no coochie flashes. Got a fun. The pirate kitty has just been sleeping and staying here the whole time. Um, can't wait to turn my AC back on. Um, make sure you follow me on Goodreads. Follow me on Instagram. I am not as great about posting what I'm reading every day, but I do at least a few times a week post on my story what I am reading. um, So you can get a little sneak preview of the upcoming episodes. Um, Make sure you're, if you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure you follow on YouTube. If you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you follow on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Also check me out on Goodreads. Um, And until then, stay reading. Bye guys.